That is Jamie Court. I'm president of Consumer Watchdog, uh, and this is the Rage for Justice Report, where we expose, confront, and change. I'm here today with uh, Lisa Tucker, who's the uh, Energy uh, Project Director, Energy Environment at Consumer Watchdog. And we're here today because we're going to be talking about a very special uh, report on the state of recycling in California and redemption in California. California has a bottle deposit law, and uh, we get five or ten cents back on our bottles and cans, but increasingly those nickels and dimes are not coming to us. And now uh, we have a look, an analysis over the last year that Lisa's performed in a report called Trashed, which is available on our website, consumerwatchdog.org, that looks at programs all around the world to see how we can do better, what we're doing and wrong, and, and how we do uh, better. So, Lisa, that's the question to you. What's gone wrong, and, and what can we do to fix it? Well, the single biggest thing we've done wrong is not put any responsibility for the end of life of containers, beverage containers, onto the beverage industry that makes them and distributes them and markets them. And um, because of that, uh, we have a system that's really jammed up uh, it makes no sense. Uh, we have restricted access. Consumers cannot get back their deposits because we rely on a system of recycling centers that have been closing right and left, and we don't make retail market retail supermarkets take anything back. So it's it's become a tax. We're, we're paying over a billion dollars a year in deposits, and we're getting back barely half of it, and it's becoming a tax, and that's wrong. And there are 10 states in uh, America that have bottled deposit laws. California is one of them. There are obviously countries around the world that, that do it. So when you looked at uh, countries around the world, what did you find were the best practices? What are they doing that we're not doing, and, and how are they successful? Well, in the best programs uh, with the highest redemption rates in the United States and also in other countries in the world, the primary thing they do is they, uh, they have government uh, kind of craft the way the whole thing's going to work and then get out of the way. So what they do is they tell the beverage industry, you guys figure out what to do with these containers. They give them the right to keep uh, the some of the funding or all of the funding, all of the deposits that don't get redeemed by consumers to run the system. And they let them figure out how these things are going to get taken back, including at retail stores. Uh, the best programs all require that major grocery stores and others that sell these beverages have to take beverages back in store and refund the deposits. They feature a really efficient technology like reverse vending machines where you feed the stuff back in and you get a store credit or cash. Um, they put it on industry. And government's role is to set requirements, like we want consumers to take back 90% of what they buy. And if industry doesn't deliver that, then there are consequences. There are financial penalties or taxes or whatever. But, you know, that's what they're for is, is it, they're there for to enforce. The governments are there to enforce, set the rules and enforce them, and the industry has to live up to it. Well, it's interesting because in the report you talk about model states like Oregon and Michigan, mm -hmm. Oregon's got an 81% redemption rate, meaning 81% of the time people are bothering to get their bottles and cans redeemed for uh, whatever the rate is there. I guess it's 10 cents. It's a little higher. Uh, Michigan is almost 90%, 89%. Norway's 95%. Germany has a 98% redemption rate. California, 66%. That's when you take out the fact that the curbside, the trash haulers, are taking a lot of this trash at the curb, and they're getting our, uh, our, our, our nickels and dimes. I was interested to read that uh, no other state in America gives 
redemption rates, bottle the, the nickels and dimes to the curbside haulers who also have municipal contracts to haul the trash. So they're getting our nickels and dimes in California without any audits, without any accountability. No other uh, state has that. No other nation has that. But the trash haulers have been doing really well. Uh, and so the other problem with the haulers is contamination. So can you explain the difference between the uh, when you redeem at a, let's say, a, a machine at a grocery store, which is they're, they're few and far between, but hopefully they won't be, and when you put it in that single-stream blue can at the curb, what's the difference? Yeah, well, that, there's a huge difference, and that's exactly the rub. Uh, if you basically take your bottles and cans and totally isolate them from everything else, which is what you're doing when you take them back to, say, a grocery store, they're 98% clean, and they can virtually be taken and marketed directly to processors who then take them to the world market or to the domestic market, wherever, to make new bottles and cans. Uh, when you put it in a single bin, uh, the, the blue bin, the blue recycling bin that the waste haulers control, you are automatically creating a contamination rate of at least 35%. Because a lot of people, you know, put in stuff that's not recyclable, food, things get mashed up in the trucks, and uh, the waste haulers don't care because uh, they're going to make money hand over fist either way. They don't care if it goes into an incinerator or a landfill. Uh, they're going to make money anyhow. Uh, so what we're doing is just we're paying the haulers <laughs> out the wazoo for the deposits, for the handling this stuff, and we even give them grants uh, to improve quality and all the rest of it. Uh, when they're just increasing our contamination rates. And in fact, they're the reason why we don't have a world market for this stuff and China slammed the door in our face. It makes no sense. They shouldn't get these subsidies. So ba basically we have uh, glass, for instance, going in these bottles and cans, and then you have someone puts a, a pizza container with a little too much uh, cheese or pepperoni, and then the shards of the glass pick up that, that yeah, dirt. Yeah, And then that gets in the rest of the material, right. and you can't redeem. So the bottles, the bottles break. Right. The, the, and, and it just goes into a landfill. You're, do you're donating your deposits to companies that are making even more money off of you because they're keeping your deposit and they're also contaminating this stuff. Now, what's bad about that? Not only is it ending up in a landfill, it's not ending up in a useful product. It can't even be used for road cover. So, you know, it's just stupid. So, so everyone knows the system's broken. The question is what to do to fix it, to make it like the rest of the world. Uh, we talked about the beverage companies. Now, it's their wrappers, right? If you're buying a beer, if you're buying a a bottle of soda, a can of juice, whatever it is, they're using that wrapper to make money. So the theory here is if it's their wrappers, they better make sure they're continually in use or being recycled in, in, a, in an appropriate way. And then they enlist the retailers and they enlist the processors and the handlers. And then all the grocery stores get handling fees and get paid for having the machines. But the beverage companies make sure that we get a 90% return. That's your recommendation. Yeah, my recommendation is you set a hard redemption rate. You say, okay, it's going to be 85 or 90%, whatever you're going to set it. And then you tell them they have to meet it. And if they don't, you have to find ways to, frankly, penalize them. And yeah. it's done that way in some other places. So we, so we have one piece of legislation coming up in Sacramento uh, next week. Uh, Bob Wykowski has Senate Bill 372 to take many of the recommendations uh, from this report, actually. Uh, the bill was just introduced this week. Uh, can you talk a little about what, was, what, what we like in the concept of the bill, and then also what are some of the details we really need to fill in? Well, the single most important thing that this legislation does is it has a vision. And the vision is to basically take the administration of this whole project of this bottle program away from the state, which has done a terrible job, and give it over to industry that should technically know what they're doing. So that is really valuable. 
Um, you know, that does sound like deregulation, Lisa. You know, we, we advocate for, for um, government control. In this case, uh, I'm presuming it's because the beverage industry doesn't want responsibility for the, the wrappers, yeah, the and, and yet they have it everywhere else in the world except here, California. But here, yeah. Yeah, they totally do not want the headache of this. They don't want the responsibility. They got out of the responsibility in the mid-'80s when we passed the bottle law. They very adroitly said, no, 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 we'll be the recyclers of last resort. You guys create a system of certified recyclers. We'll help them set up in our parking lots. Everything's going to be These are the retailers you're now talking about. These are the retailers. These are are grocery stores. Okay, and they didn't want to have anything to do with it. And the deal was, and they've fallen down on the the promise, was that they were going to step up because, you know, we've got these recyclers. But there's also the beverage companies, which are different. are different. Beverage companies are the ones under this bill that make the brands that that make the brand, but use use the bottles and cans. I mean, sometimes they're the same in the sense that uh, if a uh, retailer has their own brand of soda, uh, like a wall, you know, Walmart or a Costco or whatever, yeah, they're distributing their own stuff. stuff. But we found some interesting things, like the distributors when they put those nickels and dimes in, because they're the ones who uh, tell you tell you when the consumer gives you a nickel and dime, they keep the accounting. That it always seems like you know in all the audits, like the WalMarts. Um, whenever they're audited, they seem not to be giving the state as many nickels and dimes as they're selling bottles uh, and cans for, and they seem to be keeping the rest. In one case, it was like over $100 million. A couple right? hundred million basically was calculated by the Container Recycling Institute that they kept. I mean, basically what they did was they underreported to the state really how many sodas and juices and everything else they'd sold by a couple of hundred million dollars. And so the state didn't realize there were a couple hundred million more dollars in deposits that should have been circulated through the system, ultimately found their way back to the consumer. Which, which is why when we say the re- redemption rate is 66%, when we did another report earlier uh, in the year, it was last year, half a nickel we found. It was really only a little bit more than 50 cents, 53 cents that consumers were getting back directly because either people were taking the bottles and cans from them uh, as bulk collectors or there was like $200 million less in the system from what we paid in bottles and cans than, was, act, been that, reported. That, that was reported by That's the right. – so this is a total uh, re- overhaul and remodel that will basically um, – Start from scratch and say every bottle and can has to be accounted for. Every deposit has to be accounted for. And the beverage companies are responsible for getting us to 90% redemption. Correct. And it's going to be up to the beverage industry to make everybody play in the same sandbox. Uh, in well, other words, retail stores ultimately are going to have to take these things back like they resisted doing here for so long. So, so in other words, the, you go, you buy your bottles and cans in one place. You then return you them, them in the same place, which is one of your surveys found two-thirds of the stores that were supposed to take back bottles and cans, didn't do it because they didn't want to, even though they had signs in the windows saying they did. So the state has actually cracked down on that practice. Uh, we got a, a, the largest fine in state history. Uh, well, it began, yeah. It's a $3.6 million biggest historic fine ever against CVS for you know refusing to take back bottles and cans in store, and it's much better than it was because for the preceding five years they only collected like 122000 dollars. But that's still not going to solve it. They're still, you know, moving at a glacial pace. They, they still don't have great enforcement. It's the wrong approach. Let them enforce a reduction, a redemption target and let the beverage industry figure out how to reach it. Well, so the other problem we recently figured out you put in the report is, so we have half the redemption centers we did uh, six years ago. Okay. So they're gone. The retailers, okay, now we can force them to take back. Let's say we can force them to take back. The question is, what do they do with it? Well, there's one more big, fat, huge problem, which is they can't do anything with it. The basic problem is they're can they they're not allowed to take these materials in bulk and, and sell them directly to a processor. 
they have to go, just like the consumer does, to a certified redemption center where they either have to hand them in one by one or they have to hand them in by weight, and it's limited, like 100 pounds of aluminum, 100 pounds of, you know, plastic. So this is, this is, this is, this is the, the this is the system that isn't a system. When you say, okay, now retailers are going to be the, or the recycler of last resort, okay, but then the retailers have to go send one of their employees with a pickup truck on their spare time to a recycling center, the wait in line to give back the bottles and cans the way someone who takes them out of your garbage can. A lot of mom and pop shops Uh, have to do that in small liquor stores, but the thing that's ironic is the biggest ones, like Albertsons and Ralph's and all these guys that have huge distribution centers, could easily take their stuff and have it delivered or have some processor come to them and pick it up and sell in bulk, and they are literally not legally allowed to do it. It It's the most backwards system I've ever seen. Uh, And that's why we're looking at at a major reform. The governor himself said it in a a message at the end of last year, wants some temporary relief for the system. He wants a major overall. So we're hoping for the best this year uh, with SB 372 and and amendments to make it even better. And uh, so thank you for your your great work, and thank you for – for uh, all the hard research that got us to this point. The other big thing this year is we had asked for the resignation of the head of Cal Recycle because he uh, this is the agency in charge of this this uh, this yes. mess. And uh, the governor delivered, and yes, he uh, he's resigned, and they're looking for a new uh, recycling director uh, right now. So things are changing. Thanks to you, Lisa. We really appreciate you being on today. Thanks. Jamie Court, thanks for listening to the Rage for Justice Report. Come visit us at consumerwatchdog.org and subscribe to this podcast on uh, SoundCloud, uh, on your Apple Store, at uh, the Google Store, and uh, everywhere else you'll find a podcast. Thank you so much.